0: The greatest gift, right? What an amazing gift that we have and that we get to celebrate in every year around this time. And we really start talking about the birth of Jesus. And I love that it said God showed up. It's God with us, right? Jesus Christ, our Savior, a.k.a. Emmanuel, right? We sang about it over and over and over this morning. And Emmanuel literally means God with us. God with us. What an amazing gift. But, you know, what's even more amazing is that he gave us more than just his presence um, not presence, T.S., but presence. He gave us more than that. He gave us this amazing word. He gave us um, life uh, interactions with other people. He gave us stories. He gave us not just this this life, this birth that we're celebrating this year, um, which the birth of Christ, Amen. It's it's the greatest gift ever. This story. It's so much fun to read. It's it's so. Um, you know, just get you in that mood, right? Amen? It really just gets you in the Christmas spirit. So um, instead of this big opening, I just want to jump right into that that Christmas spirit, that mood, that gift of Jesus. It's an amazing gift, his life, what he did for us. So we're going to read out of Mark chapter 13. Um, We're going to start at verse 24, and we're just going to dive right in um, to the amazing gift of Jesus. So Mark chapter 13. Verse 24, it says, But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I... Uh, I think I read the wrong thing there. That's not the Christmas story. I'm sorry. That's, uh, that sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Is that not what you expected, church? Is that literally, uh, was that crickets? Nice. <laughs> nice. That was perfect. That was perfect. So, not what you expected. Uh, not the same story. Guess what? I that was that was meant to be there. I I read that on purpose. So, um, with that being said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, we're so humbled every day, Lord God, to come into this place and and to be able to enter into Your presence, Lord. That that uh, veil was torn and that temple shook, Lord God, and we got to uh, enter into Your throne room of grace and mercy, Lord God, and. As we explore the different side of the Christmas story that we're not used to exploring leading up until that day, Father God, I pray that you would just um, give us ears to hear, Lord God, and to listen, and and that you just soften our hearts to receive this message, Father God. Uh, We love you so much. We love that you've given us the whole story, Father, and that we can live with that. In Jesus' name, amen. So... (laughs) When, when Mitch told me, you know, if you don't know, Mitch is uh, in his hometown. His grandmother um, passed away, I think, the day after Mamaw, or a couple of days later, two days later. So while all this is going on with Mamaw, um, Mitch gets a call that, that his grandmother had passed. So he's up there right now for the funeral, um, and he's preaching at his father's church today. So let's keep him all in our thoughts and prayers this morning. Um, let's pray that he would survive the freezing that's going on up there right now. Yeah, they're cold up there right now. So when you walk out and you're like, oh man, it's hot over here, just amen. Trust me, I live, we were talking about that this morning. I lived in that for a long, long time. But um, with all the things about the Bible, right, about God, you hear this conversation all the time, right? And you've heard this question asked many times. If you could ask God what one question, what would it be, right? Has anybody ever asked you that before? Anybody in the room? Yeah? Yes? No? Yeah, so if you could ask God one question, what would it be, right? Everybody asks that. The only thing that I'd like to know is what he wrote in the sand. That's the only thing that I want to know. What did you write? Because, you know, who knows? I mean, you you, you know the story of Jesus, and you know how loving and caring he was. But, you know, in my flesh and blood, I want to imagine that he wrote something like, go ahead. You know, like, I dare you, or something like that, you know. But in in all the things... That our minds aren't supposed to know. That we're not capable of understanding. When we get the opportunity to ask those questions, we won't even care. Because we'll just be in this amazing glory, this amazing place of beauty and perfection. And there'll be colors that we've never seen before. There'll be precious stones that our minds couldn't even imagine. It'll be amazing and we won't care about those things. Um, But in a lot of it, uh, God shares with us some things that maybe a lot of other faiths don't get the opportunity to know. See, we don't just have the beginning, and we're not just told God is perfect, God is power, God is everything that you should long to be, but you'll never be, okay? He gives us the beginning, He gives us His birth, and then we also know the end of the story, amen? And we all know here, we're all educated people in this room, I think I could say that pretty fairly, maybe some more than others, but we all know that a good story has three parts, right? It has a beginning... It has the middle, the body of the story, and it has the end, right? So how about this? Jesus gives us even a prequel to the beginning of the story. And if you flip to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we're told that therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So there it is. We've been singing about it all morning, right? Right? This was prophesied some seven, eight hundred years before the birth of Christ. So people were expecting this, right? People were hoping for this. You see, they had a hope that this would take place. We live in a reality that it's happened. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. He was born. We know that he came. We know the middle of the story too, right? That he lived this perfect life. That he advocated for the poor, for the weak, for the hungry, the downtrodden, the outcast. And then he eventually died so that we would eventually have, what, eternal life. Amen? So then if you get to the middle or the beginning of this story, Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 18, there's going to be a lot of scripture today. Um, so just bear with me and we'll get through it and, and it's going to be awesome. Because um, God is good. Amen, church? God is good. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, it says, Now the, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Try to imagine that, guys, all right? Try to imagine that. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. So here we go. What did we just read in Isaiah? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So there we go. We get the beginning of this amazing Christmas story, right? And we all know how it goes, right? We know the Christmas story. It's beautiful. And Jesus is born, and he lives this life, like I just said. And then he dies this death that we couldn't die. He dies it in our place to take the propitiation of our sins, right? so that we can be reconciled to God one day in His glory, in His presence, in His grace. But what's the end of the story? That's back in Mark chapter 13, that we just read the beginning of the end. So Mark chapter 13, verse 28 through 37. And Jesus gives us a lesson here of the fig tree. It says, from the the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think where Mitch and Camden are right now in Connecticut, correct, that they have any... Even an inkling of a thought that it might be summertime? <laughs> Absolutely not, right? When they walked out of uh, wherever they're staying this morning, they knew without a doubt that it's wintertime, okay? They didn't need a calendar, they didn't need a clock, they didn't need any, uh, anything on the news or TV or nothing to tell them when they walked out of their house this morning that it's wintertime, right? When we walk outside of these doors and we leave this place, this sanctuary, if you will, and you go out into the world, is there any doubt that there's problems? Is there any doubt that you could turn to this amazing word that God gave us, and you could say, wow, prophecies are coming to pass. They're being fulfilled. The time is coming, right? Amen. We know that our God is going to return one day. We don't know when, and thank God we don't know when. There's so many people all the time. There was last year where the first time... Um, in a, however many years were all the planets aligned in a perfect row or some craziness, and the world was going to end, right? Uh, four or five years ago, there was a guy out west putting billboards up all over the place. It was like a radio talk show host. The world's going to end. He put like $100 million of donors' money into these billboards to let everybody know the world was going to end. And then it didn't end, right? And you look kind of silly at that point. And he said, whoa, 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 I miscalculated. It's next October, you know? So then we changed the billboards and we put them back up. But guess what? Jesus tells us this. If we keep reading in Mark chapter 13, verse 32, it says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Okay? No one knows. What we know is by the signs, right? We know that by the signs, it's coming soon, right? We know that Jesus promises us that he's going to come back. But check this out. Not even the angels in heaven nor the son. Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. But only the father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge. Each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, or at night, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Okay, so there's the end. We know that he's coming, all right? There's no doubt in that. And when Mitch texted me five, six days ago, maybe, five five days ago, I think, and said, I want you to preach on Mark chapter 13, <laughs> you know? and I was like, are you sure, <laughs> you know, um, because this isn't the easiest thing to preach on, especially around the holidays, right? Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's happy. Everybody's out spending money, putting up Christmas trees, decorations, baking cookies, sending them to Pastor Jake because he loves cookies. Um, you know, I'm packing on pounds for the winter. This is just for the winter. I'm from Ohio. All right, we're used to, you know, you put on a little bit extra weight for the winter. And then it stays on. And ten winters later, you still got it. Um, Yeah, yeah. But in this, we know the beginning. We know that Christ came, right? We know that he came to die for our sins. We know he came to live the perfect life. And that he was going to give us lessons. And he was going to tell us how to treat others. And he was going to eventually die for our sins, right? We know the end. Not the first. We know the end when he did die and he rose. But now we're hearing the end of what's going to happen again when he comes back. Okay? So, what, where's the middle? What's the middle? Okay? We all have a story. We all have a story. We have a beginning. We have a middle. And we have an end. Okay? And the gift in this, this great gift that Jesus gives us, is that he gives us the opportunity to see the beginning through the end. You see he gives us this amazing story of this awesome birth and and this marriage and this union and this child that you know there was a, a he should have been killed immediately after his birth and trust me the king tried his best right but he survived in this life that he lived was amazing and holy and and he ended up dying this death and he ended up rising from the dead and the the disciples got to see it and so many people got to witness it and so many lives were changed and so many churches were started and, and we live with this comfort every day of our lives that we know that he died and he rose so that one day we can do the same thing amen but what's our story what do we do now knowing that Okay, if you look at the beginning of our story, what is it? It's the same as his. It's the birth of a baby, right? I'm pretty sure every one of us were born as babies. Amen? Now, Pat, I'm sorry I'm going to pick on you because I've seen children on that side of the family. And uh, you could argue that they come out as toddlers. I'm just going to say. Amen? I'm sorry to... I'm sorry. It'll be okay. It will be okay can't wait to hold that huge baby. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. (laughs) But our story, (laughs) it'll be, okay, so it'll be awesome seeing your guys' baby with that baby. But when that one's born, how old is yours now? A few months? Two, Two months? Yeah. So, so, my, my, I'll tell you, this is funny. I didn't plan on talking about this at all, but it works. Um, my, my brother, my older brother had a child 10 days after Maya. And at the time we were, uh, roommates, all right? So we were all living together and my brother is, I don't know, maybe five, seven or five, eight and he's stocky and, and he has no neck and he's like this big guy. And I told him I could never trust him cause he doesn't have a neck. Um, but anyways, Maya and Olivia are 10 days apart, and they grew up best friends, cousins. But we have pictures of them in, in the crib laying side by side. And Maya's, like, long and thin, these long arms. And then Olivia's like, this short, like, stout. She has no neck. She's, right, where's, Chloe must have got called back. She literally, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the difference in these kids. And they're 10 days apart. But one's here like this, and one's here like this. It'll be interesting to see who rules the nursery back there once that baby comes? Because I have a feeling my money's on that, (laughs) kid. So our beginning, I'm sorry, Um, our beginning, right? It's the same as Jesus's. It starts with a birth. And you could even say that we get to share in that birth of Jesus. Because what comes along with that? It It comes our chance at salvation, right? Before Jesus's birth, we didn't have a chance at that. How are we going to please a God that demands perfection when we're born imperfect? We're born with this natural desire within our flesh to sin, right? And it's only Jesus' salvation, sanctification, and the greatest gift that he could ever give us, which is his grace, that he's willing to look past all of our flaws if we put our trust in him. So we share the same beginning as he does. What's our end? It's the same as his, right? We're going to die... Just like he died. And then, amen to this church, we're going to rise with him because we put our trust in him. And we're going to spend eternity with him through the reconciliation of of us to him. He's going to draw us near to himself. But what's our middle? What's our middle? Our middle is now. Our middle is an opportunity to change. Our middle is that the way that we were born doesn't have to be how we are or the way that we pass. We have this story that we get to participate in. Okay? We have this opportunity to write a story that people can relish in, that people can look at, and people can take parts of it, and that they can build their lives off of. And it's not just these guys in here. Okay? It's not just these guys in here. It's people out here. It's Mama you know, we get to learn so many things from those who come before us. And guess what? We have a beautiful problem in this church, and we had it at my church in Ohio. We are busting at the seams back here with kids. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to have that many kids in a church nowadays. Because if you look around, there's a lot of churches that are dying because they don't have that. They don't have that next generation coming up. So, so, what is our middle? We have this beautiful opportunity to write that, and we're going to read out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. It says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, "...alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart." There's a reason we pray that our hearts be softened every Sunday. "...they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus." to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so we're not who we were, church, okay? Just like when Jesus was born of flesh, that flesh was eventually killed, right? And then he rose, and he was in a newness of life, and he ascended to heaven. And it's a beautiful story, and we're all going to go through that story. But while we're here, we have to know that the beginning and the end helps us make our middle. We have to understand that the beginning and the end helps us to create our middle. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. It's a new creation old things pass away, all things become new, right? Now, when Mitch and I met, Mitch, Mitch is, I call Mitch a lifer, <laughs> all right? Mitch was born and raised in church, pastor's son, raised in church, Sunday school, youth group, Christian friends, Christian college, pastor, right? That's an awesome story. Um, unfortunately, I don't share that story. So when we met, it was like this awesome bond was formed because something that, that you know, that, that Mitch got to enjoy his whole life was Jesus. But let me tell you, Mitch wasn't born a Christian. Mitch wasn't born a Christian. And no one in here was born a Christian. No one in here was born a Christian. You might have been born surrounded by Christians. Um, you might have been taken to Christian events and Christian functions but at some point in life you make that decision it's your decision no kid back here can ride mommy and daddy's coattails to the promised land they make that decision for themselves one day church and what do we do as parents we love them we nurture them we give them example we show them the way we we try to encourage them to head in this direction but guess what I'm I'm recently headed into a different chapter of my life where I now have a grown-up child. She's in college. She's a freshman in college. She's she's an adult now. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So, she gets to make these decisions on her own. And let me tell you something. it, It scares me sometimes. Not because there's anything wrong with her or she's bad or anything like that. Just because the world is bad. There's so many things pulling you in each different way. And you make that decision one day that this is the way that I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to do. And let me tell you, what's the Bible say? It says that they'll know you by your what? By your fruits. So if you come here every Sunday, but nothing else is changing outside of here, you need to work on that. You need to work on that. I'll tell you a little bit about my story, and I had no plan on doing this. And I was talking to Mitch on the phone, um, and I'm not I'm not ashamed or embarrassed of my past. You know, my past is my past. Um, thank God I have a future, right? Thank God I have a promise. Um, my beginning not that good. I didn't try. I didn't have the best opportunity, the best platform to launch a life off of. Um, but I recognized that when I was small and I said, I'm never going to have these problems. I'm never going to do this. Um, I'm going to be good. I'm going to separate myself. And um, I used to actually go to church uh, with a girl that I knew at school and I would go to the end of the altar and I was bad, bad. I mean, I wasn't like talking out in class and getting detentions bad. I mean, I was like felonies bad and jail bad. Um, but I would go to the end of the altar where no one would see me and I would bawl my eyes out. And um, I begged Jesus to help my parents. Um, I didn't ask for help for myself. I begged him to help my parents. Um, And, you know, I never thought for one minute (laughs) that that little boy's prayer would lead me to be a pastor one day. If you would have told me that then, I would have called you a liar and said there's no possible way. I just wanted my mom and dad to have peace. That's all that I wanted was them to be happy, for them to be in heaven one day. And then... Through many trials and tribulations, God gave me an amazing gift, my my best worldly gift, my wife, um, best thing I ever received, because I, I was never worthy of that, and a beautiful daughter that, was, that she had, which is Chloe, um, which I've been honored to raise her whole life, you know, and just amazed by, first of all, how she looks like me a little bit, which is wild but um also how she (laughs) acts like me a lot which is even scary (laughs) you know um but but then he blessed me with another gift which is maya and then the hound of heaven tracked me down and he got a hold of me it wasn't before (laughs) it was after you know god's plan is amazing but let me back up a little bit and share with you where I spent New Year's Eve in 1997. Um, let's take a sip of water because this is about to get deep. I'm not going to lie. In 1997, December 31st, I was arrested and, um, and charged with 52 felony twos. 52. 52. Um, and taken to juvie and was about 90 days away from turning 18 years old and was going to get charged as an adult for all of this. And um, if that had happened, I would still be in prison, 37 years old. I'd probably still be there right now today. Um, But when they put me in the cell and um, I thought I was a tough guy, I thought I was a thug and, you know, I fought and and did all these things and I cried like a little girl with a skinny knee all night long, cried, just bawled my eyes out, and uh, it was New Year's Eve, so they had a little party for the people that had been there for a long time, and um, I was just begging that my roommate didn't, my cellmate didn't come back um, and see me crying like a little baby on my first night, you know, Um, and, and the door opened, and I wiped my tears and tried to hide my face, and it was the guard, and my parents had been there and dropped off my father's Bible from when he was a little kid, And it was a living Bible. I'm going to ask that you'd put up Proverbs uh, chapter 10, verse 17. And I opened, and if you guys take your Bible and open it halfway up right in the middle, you're going to end up right around this this verse, because that's what I did, because I didn't know what to do. Um, But they handed me this, and I said, you know what, I'm going to try this. And um, I opened it up, and that verse was at the top left corner of the page, and it said, and it was a living Bible, and that's why I wanted this. It said, anyone willing to be corrected is on the pathway to life. Anyone refusing has lost his chance. And since that day in that cell, I've tried my best to live my life by that. Every day. And my middle is Jesus giving me the opportunity to live by that. That the mistakes that I make tomorrow, or today, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm already forgiven. Amen? That's a beautiful reality that we all get to live in. That's our middle. You see... He didn't just tell us, be perfect, go and do no wrong. He said, here's this imperfect way that I'm going to come into the world, and then I'm going to rise above that and live this perfect life, and then I'm going to die this death and and, and rise from this grave so that you can do that one day if you place your trust in me. But you see, God called you to be perfect, and Jesus said, I know that you can't. So I'm going to die for you, Right? And what does the scripture say? I've preached this in that same jail, in that exact same juvenile detention center. I preached there every Monday for almost 10 years. And it was awesome. And so many young men that were in the position that I was in gave their hearts to Jesus that were heading to, to prison for years. And it was an amazing thing. But what does that say? It says anyone willing to be corrected. It doesn't say anyone who is corrected. Because here's the thing. Mitch was born and raised in that church, right? Mitch was raised in this certain way. But guess what? Every day of his life, he understands, just like I do, just like all of you should, and I hope that you do, that we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable conversation for me right now. I'm not ashamed of it or embarrassed of it, but a lot of you, I don't know that great. And guess what? If you choose to judge me for it, that's your problem, not mine. Because I've been forgiven. My slate's been wiped clean. If I got on my knees and said, Jesus, forgive me for what I did when I was 17 years old, he'd say, What in the heck are you talking about? Because he's already forgotten. Amen? That's beautiful. As far as the east is from the west, right? It's gone. Right. It's a beautiful scripture that we put our trust in that it's cast into the sea of forgetfulness. And that's a beautiful thing. And every day we get to wake up knowing and living in the fact that our beginning is our beginning, but our end doesn't isn't pre-written. We get to dictate that by our middle. We get to write our middle. Amen, church. What a beautiful gift that is. You see, God wants us to be perfect. But he also wants us to love him. And he knows that we're not perfect. But if he wanted us to be perfect, he could have just made us robots, right? We could have just walked around perfect. He could have created us that way. But he didn't just want us to love him. He wanted us to want to love him. And sometimes that takes a while to get to that point. But you see, he, he painted this beautiful picture, this amazing Christmas story for us that we get to celebrate. But it's no wonder that we even mess that up, Right? We even mess that up. We think, well, we're giving gifts. That's what, we're giving gifts, and it feels good, you know? We're doing these things, and it feels good. Let me tell you the world's story of Christmas. More, more localized, this country's story of Christmas, right? What's the beginning? Spend all your money on presents. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. Spend as much as we can. Spend as much as we can. Stress ourselves out. Beat the lines. Black Friday. Run to the store. Push somebody down to get a TV $50 cheaper. (laughs) What's the end? Open tons of presents. (laughs) Try to jump from bill to bill so that we don't get a 30-day late on this one. We pay that one. Then we go over to this one and pay that one. And then that one's 29 days late. Oh, God, we better hurry up and pay. And by what, March or April, we're back to normal? (laughs) you know what's the middle what's the middle of our world's Christmas story what's the middle of it the middle of it is the same as Jesus it's the same as ours that you can make change think about what Jesus was preaching when he was here think about his middle it's no wonder they laugh and mocked, right? Somebody hits you, you're not supposed to hit them back? What? Are you kidding me? I think everybody still struggles with that one. <laughs> Maybe guys more than girls. I don't know. There's some vicious girls, though. I'm not going to lie to you. I've lived with three of them for a long time. Long, long time. Let me give you some, some statistics of our country's middle when it comes to Christmas. All right, this is staggering, and, and Jake Albert opened my eyes to these uh, one night at, at Citigroup. Uh, just do a couple of them, and I've, I've added a few more. This year, and annually, $680 billion spent on Christmas in America. In America. UN estimates $30 billion would solve the world hunger problem. Thirty billion would solve the world hunger problem. UN also estimates that ten billion would end the world's drinking water problem. You imagine? You see where I'm going with this? Take forty billion dollars, and you could touch a lot of people. A lot of people. Two billion dollars spent on trees. billion spent on trees that we chop down, stick in our house, uh, steal our own oxygen. (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable, right? We're literally killing ourselves to celebrate Jesus' birth. Jim Gaffigan does a little comedy skit on that. and He says, uh, Christmas decorating is the behavior of a drunk man. You take your socks and hang them outside. You cut the tree down and bring it inside. It doesn't make any sense, right? It really makes no sense at all. So, (laughs) the average grown adult in this country spends a little less, just shy, of $1,000 on presents. Every year. Every year. You could sponsor a child in Africa for two and a half years on that same amount of money. And you could give that kid an education. You could give him food and clean water for two and a half years On the amount of money that you spend on pieces of plastic. Clothes that aren't going to be in style next year. Here's one for you, Ben. Hipsters spend $550 on themselves at Christmas time. (laughs) An average of $550 on themselves every Christmas. If Beth, Bethany, if you're watching, I don't is Bethany in the back or not here? Huh? If you're watching, Bethany, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> All right, here, here's one. 2.6 billion people on this planet, not just in America, on this planet live on $2 a day. billion people. What's the estimate of the world's population? 7.4 billion. So a third of the people on this planet live on $2 a day. $2 a day. That's $730 a year, if that's right math. $730 a year. I would journey to say that there's people in this room right now that make more than that a day. And I would say a, a large amount make more than that in a week. This is a real problem. This isn't the story that Jesus gives us and that God gives us through his word. This isn't why he came to die. This isn't why. You see, we've lost that middle, that perspective of what Christmas is. Christmas isn't one day of the year. You could argue that December 25th definitely wasn't even the day that he was born. Right? Probably months off. Probably not even close. But we picked that day to celebrate. And awesome, let's celebrate it. Let's celebrate it. It was a beautiful thing. It literally brought me to tears a couple weeks ago when every hand in this place went up. To buy these kids presents. That's a beautiful thing. I'm not saying that that's not a good thing. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is we have to prioritize church. We have to prioritize. We have to go and spread Christmas cheer. We have to go out and spread the beautiful name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. We have to be willing to get on a stage in front of a bunch of people. And tell them what he's done for you in your life. Not just that, oh, Jesus was born on this day. And then, what has he done for you? What has he done for you? What has he changed in your life? I'm going to ask the band to come up. And I'm going to read out of Matthew. This isn't on the board. I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, and it says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates. Mitch talked about shepherd last week, right? That Jesus is our shepherd. He's come to tend to his flock. Amen? So he's going to place the sheep on his right, but the goats will be on the left. Then the king, the king who's rightfully on his throne again, will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father... And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. Our middle doesn't have to be the norm. We're supposed to be set apart, right? The city on a hill, all those beautiful things that Jesus tells us to be in here. Then we leave here and there's a crowd and we just blend right in. We just walk right into that crowd, right? Let's be different, church. We know the story. We know the beginning and we know the end. And as scary as that sounded when I first started, and you were expecting to hear this warm, fuzzy Christmas message, if you walk the way you're supposed to walk, if you talk the way you're supposed to talk, and if you do the things that Christ has came here and died for you, for you to do, you don't have to worry about that. But if you have compassion that He calls you to have, then you can save people who are walking out there, who are lost sheep. You can give them the amazing gift that you receive every day. Christmas isn't just one day. Christmas is every day. Give this amazing gift of grace that every morning you get to open up. Every day. The man and woman you were yesterday shouldn't be the man and woman that you are tomorrow. Even if you were raised in church and known Jesus your whole life, Work. Work on yourself. Strive to be better. Put yourself in a position of uncomfort so that you can help somebody else become a little bit more comfortable. And that's doing God's work.